Hey, church family, uh, Pastor Aaron here with a little bit of a church update. And actually, more than just an update, wanted to take this opportunity to give you more of a pastoral update, less practical and more biblical pastoral. Um, and, and, and when I say I, I really am speaking as a we on behalf of the elder team. We've spent a lot of time this week praying and talking, and so I'm bringing some thoughts to you on behalf of our whole overseer team. So as you are probably aware, there are some new restrictions that have come out over the weekend uh, with the intention to be to mitigate the spread of this coronavirus, and it's really heartbreaking, not just the restrictions, but just the overall sadness and sorrow in the world I had multiple conversations with people within the church, outside of the church over the course of this last week about their mental health, about how um, isolated and alone they have felt. Talked with one person who's not a, a member of our church about uh, just ways to keep themselves from um, even harming themselves. It has just been absolutely heartbreaking to walk through this year. And these uh, new lockdowns just kind of contribute and add to that relational isolation. Uh, people are hurting. People are sick from COVID. People are sick from other things. There's just so much heaviness. And so uh, all of that is in my heart as I share this with you and in the heart of our elder team as I share these thoughts with you. Um, I will say from a practical standpoint, these new restrictions do allow for gathered worship the same as phase two, which is what we have been as Snohomish County Church. And so we're grateful for that and we're thankful for that. And before I even share anything else, I want to remind you of the words from 1 Timothy 2 that remind us to pray for our leaders. The Apostle Paul writes, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. And friends, I don't know about you, but I know for myself, I am guilty at times of complaining about the decisions that elected officials are making or second guessing or, or armchair quarterbacking. And, and while there might be a good and valid place for critique of those decisions, the word of God is clear that our starting point must be prayer. And it is a difficult job. I've said it before. You wouldn't want to be in their position. And so I want to invite us to be prayerful as we think about all of these things. So with these new restrictions, however, being in phase two and percentages and all that kind of stuff, nothing really changes except for one unique new restriction of no congregational singing. It's oddly specific uh, in a number of different pastoral groups that I'm a part of and conversations, uh, certain legal opinions weighing in that it is most likely an unconstitutional regulation for the government to make as it is not about some fringe activity and it's not widely applied throughout the rest of society. It is something very specific, something very central to Christian faith and practice. Singing is not worship. Singing is part of worship. It's an important part of worship. And while there are certainly other ways that we do worship God, we, we should be worshiping God with all of our lives. There are scores of verses in the Bible that command us to gather together and to sing. And so we as an elder team 
found out about these, this, this particular new uh, regulation uh, from the governor's office that came out on Sunday. And so we sat down with, uh, with each other, we talked on the phone, we prayed, we really sought the scriptures, and we wanted to weigh out six biblical principles. And I want to share this with you, just kind of hands wide open, church family, so you can understand how we are arriving at the conclusion that we are arriving at. The first biblical principle would be that of prudence. And that's kind of an older fashioned sort of word, but it, it simply means a, a caution, uh, a cautionary type of wisdom. Ecclesiastes 7.12 says, the protection is of wisdom is like the protection of money. And the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. That there is a, a real serious thing to wisdom of prudence and caution and concern that we want to be safe. We want to consider the, the safety and the well-being of people and have appropriate amounts of caution. Not fear, but caution and prudence. Number two is the idea of holistic care. There's a verse in 1 Thessalonians 5 as the Apostle Paul is writing and he kind of wraps up praying that, that God, the God of peace, would sanctify these people in Thessalonica completely. He says, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I've always loved that verse because it shows that God cares about the entire person. God cares about our physical health, our body. God cares about our emotional health. God obviously cares about our spiritual health. You've probably heard me say in a sermon sometime that yes, Jesus came to save our souls and our bodies and all of creation and everything. That we have to take the whole person into consideration when we're making decisions, even pastoral ones. We don't only focus on the spiritual. We don't only focus on the physical, but we look at things from a variety of angles. Number three, the third biblical principle is that of earthly authority. There are multiple passages that I could point you to, but there's just one in Titus 3 that says, remind them to submit to rulers and authorities, to obey, and to be ready for every good work, to slander no one, to avoid fighting, and to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people. Now, we who are followers of the one true King of Kings, the, the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, the, the Messiah who never gets voted out of office, we do have a responsibility to submit to earthly governing authorities. This is why we follow things like fire codes and, and other such um, uh, guidelines or rules or laws in our society because this is part of what it means to live in this earth ordered as God would have it. Principle number four, however, held in tension with that is God's ultimate authority. God is ultimately an authority over kings and rulers. And just a few weeks ago, um, we were in Acts chapter 5, and Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. So there is a point in time where God's people have to, yes, obey earthly authorities, but there might come a decision point where you say, no, I'm not going to obey the earthly authorities on this particular thing. I also think of the witness of the book of Daniel that we went through last year at the end of 2019. And in the book of Daniel, there were times where Daniel and Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael would negotiate with the governing authorities. And there were times where they just drew a line in the sand and said, no, we won't negotiate with you on this particular thing. Principle number five public witness. The world is watching. People who are not 
believers in Jesus are watching and the way that we conduct ourselves, the decisions we make and how we make these decisions are important. I think, again, a, a verse we just looked at recently in Acts chapter 5 where it said, none of the rest of the people dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. There's like this, there's like this, man, we really like what you're doing, but we're scared of you and we don't want to join you. And we explored that tension a little bit a few weeks ago in our teaching series in the book of Acts. And, and by the way, public witness is important, but the one thing we know for sure is that the public, who, who's not believers in Jesus, will always misunderstand us because we have a faith in a Savior that the scripture says is always going to be foolishness to those who don't know, to those who are parent, uh, perishing. So we do care about our public witness. And then number six, the, the final biblical principle is that of conscience. Later, uh, next year in the book of Acts, when we're wrapping it up, you'll see the apostle Paul saying, when he's, by the way, when he is talking to a government official, he says, I always take pains to have a clear conscience towards both God and man. And this idea of conscience is a very individual and personal sort of a thing that we, we don't always see things the way that other people see things. In a church like ours, you know, kind of a, a medium-sized church with a diverse uh, uh, set of opinions and beliefs and, and backgrounds. And we have people who are richer and people who are poor and people who are Republican and people who are Democrat and people who are younger and people who are older. And it's hard for us sometimes to understand when you, when you have a conviction of conscience why somebody else feels different. That's the hard part about conscience. And so we as an elder team, we weighed all of these factors. We went through a number of different scenarios and our unified decision is that we will continue to sing on Sunday mornings when we gather for worship. We are going to, along with those guidelines, minimize the number of musicians that we have on the stage, but we will continue to sing. And there are two primary reasons why we're going to do that. Number one, for us, as an elder team, this is an obey God rather than man kind of moment. Again, it was uh, September 20th where I preached and I said our, our default posture needs to be that of submission to the governing authorities. That's why we have fire alarms installed in this building. But there does come a time where a line in the sand must be drawn and in an hour uh, judgment and in, in the wisdom that God has given to us, we view this newest rule as something that crosses over a line from promoting a, a peace and well-being in the society to something that is um, interfering with basic Christian worship and practice. Some churches, Jesus-loving, Bible-believing churches, drew lines in the sand months ago. Other churches still are not there. Other leadership teams are still not there. This is where we are as a leadership team. And that's okay. I will say this though, with some churches who have drawn a line in the sand and say, no, we're not going to follow certain guidelines or rules. Um, it breaks my heart when I see Christians, uh, particularly pastors, uh, with swagger and a cockiness and an attitude uh, like they're looking for a fight or they're looking down on others who don't agree the same way that they do. Friends, you need to understand for myself and for our elder team, we don't make this decision lightly. There's no swagger or cockiness. We do this with fear and trembling, knowing full well what we are doing. We are going to do what the scriptures command us to do, which is gather together and sing. And the second reason why we made this decision is this idea of overall holistic care for the people of Sound City Bible Church. So yes, COVID-19 is a real 
risk. It's not a hoax. It's not nothing. It is a real risk. But our society, our culture right now is hyper, laser focused on this one element. And as we have talked about the myriad of other things that are harming our people and and breaking people's hearts and causing them uh, physical, spiritual, emotional distress, one of the things that we believe is important is for our people to gather together and to worship God and to experience his presence, not only through singing, but through prayer, through silence, through liturgy, through the teaching of God's word this Sunday, through baptisms. It is so important that we care for the totality of our people, who, who, who you are as a human being. And, and with that, we will continue to follow the other safety measures, the other things of prudence and public witness, we will continue to wear our masks on Sunday morning. And I am so proud of you, Sound City Bible Church. It's, it's, it's like, if, you know, for those of you who haven't been here on a Sunday, I mean, it is, everybody is wearing a mask. Everybody. Uh, with, with the rarest of exceptions. You guys are doing a really good job of wearing your masks, of keeping spread out in the auditorium. We keep the windows open. Uh, if you are sick, a reminder, please, again, stay home. Take extra precautions. Go get a COVID test before re-engaging in Sunday worship. We have invested a lot of financial resources and people in the live stream so that those of you who are elderly, those of you who are immunocompromised, or those of you who are just more concerned can engage with us in a fashion by way of the live stream. And by the way, those of you who are at home on the live stream, you really owe a debt of gratitude and be very thankful to the volunteers who show up in person to make that happen for you. So I'll just close with a thought, a quick thought here. Our pastoral emphasis during this time, it's so polarizing It is so polarizing. The other day as I was talking with my amazing wife about some of these decisions we're kind of weighing, I was bemoaning and saying, it doesn't feel like there's any right decision that we can make. And she says, have you prayed about it? Yeah. Have you sought the scriptures? Yes. Have you talked about it with other godly, wise people? Yes. She said, well, then you're looking at it backwards. It's not that there's no right decision. There's not a wrong decision. I mean, there are wrong decisions that we could make, but in this realm, there's not a wrong decision. And for us as a leadership team, this is the decision that we have made within the bounds of scripture and best as we can tell, led by the spirit and led by the wisdom that we have. This is the decision that we have made. And I know that not everyone is gonna love this decision. I know that there are a group of you who disagree with this and I want you to know that we love you. Your voice matters. You're a valuable part of our church community. But we as the overseers have been given a God-given responsibility to make this decision. And this is the decision that we have made. And this is why it's so important, friends. It's not just the decision that we make, but it's the way we conduct ourselves in the midst of a disagreement or a potentially polarizing decision. Jesus said that the world would know that we are his disciples by our love for one another. And if you think that love means uniformity, where we always just get along and we always see eye to eye on everything and we always think the same about everything, then you have, my friend, a very truncated view of love. Love means sometimes we disagree. Sometimes we don't see eye to eye, but we're still going to speak respectfully to each other and of each other. We can disagree, but we can disagree in love. And so friends, I ask you to pray for us as the elder team. We are praying for you as our church community. We need to pray pray for our broader community and for our nation. And so I invite you just as I, as I close in prayer right now to join with me. Lord, I ask and I pray 
that you would help us to be faithful to you in a season that is so polarized, in a season that is so filled with disappointments, Lord, would you help us to be faithful to you first and foremost? God, I do pray for health, safety, well-being for not only our people, but for our nation and for the world. We ask that you would bring an end to this pandemic. And God, I even more ask that you would use these seasons of hardship to bring refinement to your church and to bring a lot of people into the family of God. Help us, I pray, to continue to love people within the household of faith, to share the gospel with and love people outside of the household of faith, and to represent you well by our attitudes, by our actions, by our words, and the way that we love each other and love the watching world. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.